Well, there are many ways to worship. Worship is whatever we give to God, whatever we give to Him. And uh, this morning we have a couple ladies that are giving worship to God, giving their talent to Him. Um, as, you, as they continue painting as I'm talking, um, you'll notice this drawing is a drawing or a, a, an, an artist rendering of what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. We've been talking about building bridges. This painting actually has its inspiration from the combination of three uh, paintings, three famous paintings on bridges. Uh, one of them is Monet, and then there's a couple of other uh, paintings, again, that have drawn, this painting has drawn its inspiration from those. As we think about what we are doing, what we're talking about here at First Church, we've been talking about also the combination of three bridges that form a painting that illustrates who we are. We are a family. We're a, a body of believers, a group of followers of Christ that are painting three bridges that are coming together into one. We are building a bridge to Christ as we worship today. We're doing that. We're building bridges to our world as we reach out and as we present this wonderful message of our Savior. And we are building bridges as we talked last week and we'll talk today, building bridges to one another. Again, three bridges coming together to form one beautiful painting, which is First Church of God here in St. Joe, Michigan. As you think about this idea of building bridges to one another, let me tell you a way that you can practically be involved in doing that and building that bridge. Because we, we've talked about that building bridges to one another, that, that being a follower of Christ and really understanding what that really means and what that looks like and, and how to be that and how to live that happens best in the context of relationships. So we want to give you opportunities to build those relationships and one of the ways that you can do that in uh, the weeks right after Easter, starting April 6th, we're going to be doing together as a church body a series of messages called Life on Loan. And one of the, or one of the many ways that you can get involved, uh, let me just share some of those ways. Uh, we have uh, classes that we'll meet on Sunday mornings that you can uh, get involved in that at 10 and 11.15, classes downstairs. So you could sign up for those. Uh, you can use the insert that you got today or go to the table and you can sign up for one of those classes. There's also a Wednesday night class. There are classes that meet at different times. And there's also uh, sm uh, small groups, which we call life groups here at First Church, opportunities for you to be involved. And again, you got a, a handout as you came in this morning in your worship folder. And you can take that and fill that out and either give that to one of the ushers. You can drop that um, at the uh, table in the lobby. And we would love for you to be engaged in one of our life groups. But if you uh, don't have a night or a morning that you can give to that, you could, again, just do that on Sunday morning as well. We, would, we want you to help. We want to help you to build relationships. We want to help you to build bridges to one another. That's who we are. That's the picture of who First Church is, those three bridges coming together uh, into one. Well, we've been, as I've said, each uh, week when we've talked about building bridges, we've told a story of, uh, of a bridge. And let me just kind of give you the Paul Harvey, uh, what the rest of the story is from last week. If you were with us last week, you remember I told the story of the building of the San Francisco, the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, which uh, spans the uh, San Francisco Bay. That bridge was begun in, uh, it was going to be built in the early 1930s. It was completed in 1937. In February of 1937, just a few uh, months before the completion of the bridge, 
And, and if you remember, they, in the, the formation of that bridge or the building of that bridge, they had instituted a number of safety measures that were new to bridge building. One of the most important that actually saved 19 lives was, the, uh, was, was putting a, a, a trapeze net, a circus net really, under the bridge that was, as it was being constructed that saved uh, 19 lives, men who fell off the bridge and were actually captured by that net. And so it was, again, February 1937, just months before the completion of the bridge. There was a team of 12 men in what was called a stripping platform. And they were uh, working on, on the bridge. And the wheels on one end of that platform uh, came loose from, from where they were attached. And the, the, that stripping platform was hanging kind of precariously uh, over, the, over the bay. Well, the platform held for a moment with those 12 men. One man actually jumped to a supporting beam and, uh, and, uh, to, to get away. But that, the other side of that stripping platform then gave way, and it fell into that safety net. This five-ton structure with 12 men on it fell into that safety net. The men, of course, believed that they had been saved as that net held that five-ton structure with them in it. If you were there that day, you would have heard what was described as machine gun fire as that net began to break loose. One piece of it at a time began to break loose, and then suddenly the whole structure, five-ton structure of that platform and those 12 men plunged 220 feet into the icy cold bay, San Francisco Bay. Ten of the twelve men died in that tragic accident. Now, why did that happen? That happened because the net was not quite strong enough to hold those twelve lives. This morning, we are talking in this series, talking about building bridges, building bridges to one another. The bridge of relationships, the, the net of relationships must be strong enough when tragedy comes to hold us. Now, a lot of us have superficial relationships. We have people that we, we pal around with, that we talk to, that we joke with, that, that know our name uh, and, and we interact with, but do we have significant relationships? Those superficial relationships, when the tragedy comes, might not be enough to hold us. And so this morning, I want to talk to us about how we can have significant relationships, significant relationships that when tragedy comes and tragedy strikes, that will be strong enough to hold us and to hold those around us. We're talking about building bridges, building bridges to one another. And we must, 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 if we are really going to understand and realize our full potential both as individuals and as a church, we must be committed to being engaged in significant relationships. We must be willing to invest what it will take, pay the price for what it will take to build significant relationships that help us and help those around us. Again, discipleship, becoming a follower of Christ and really understanding what that means and, and, and what that looks like happens best in the context of relationships. Take your Bible if you have it, and, and there's Bibles uh, provided for you in the pews if you didn't bring yours with you. I encourage you, though, to turn with me to Romans, the 16th chapter. It's actually the last chapter of the book of Romans. Paul wrote the book of Romans. Paul 
was the backbone of the New Testament church. Paul was a great leader. Paul was a visionary. This book has been described as the most important book in all of the New Testament. And this morning we find our inspiration from this great book. Paul, this leader, shares some wonderful doctrinal truths with us in this book. He, he shares and he explains things that, that are deep and, uh, and, and life-changing uh, in, 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 in what he has to say in this book of Romans. Again, this cornerstone of the New Testament is the book of Romans. Now, the chapter we're going to actually look at this morning is not a chapter that talks to us about doctrine. It actually is a chapter that most of us probably when we start to read it, kind of gloss over and kind of, oh, this doesn't have any real meat for me. So we kind of go to the next chapter and we kind of skip it. At least I've done that before. I don't know if you've done that. Now, when I was, I, I've always struggled with pronouncing names. And, and at, 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 with fear and trepidation, I'm going to try to read for you uh, Romans, the 16th chapter. And uh, so, you know, those of you who are real good at this kind of thing, uh, you know, just get your paper out and just start writing your note to me because I know I'm going to mess this up, all right? So, but I'm going to give it a try because I think it's important. Okay, Romans 16, starting with verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant. I'm doing, I'm doing all right so far. Uh, a servant of the church in Chincrea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you for she has been a great help to many people including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I but the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my friend Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my relatives who've been in prison with me. They are out, outstanding among the apostles and were in Christ before I was. Greet Amplitus, whom I love in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear Statius. Greet Apellus, tested and approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the house of Aristopolis. Greet Herodian, my relative. Greet those in the house of, of, of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Thyphrenia and Thyphosia, who's those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who's worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and my mother, who's been a mother to me too. And then greet a bunch of people. And then another verse that says, greet a bunch of people. Um, and all the saints with them. And for you singles, listen here. Uh, greet one another with a holy kiss. You love that verse, I know. All the churches of Christ send greetings. There's some great truth in that passage, that passage that most of us kind of gloss over and don't really think too much about. What it teaches us, what it models for us is here, Paul, again, this great leader of the New Testament church, Paul engaged in significant, deep relationships. He talks about Priscilla and Aquila, who literally risked their lives for Paul's sake. He talked about Mary who worked with him and to the point of utter exhaustion. He talks about individuals he served in prison with. He talks about these people that he loves and that love him and he is in deep, significant relationships with. And so here, the great theologian Paul, in the concluding parts of this time of teaching, of profound doctrine, teaches us again 
as he models for us, as he teaches us by what he does and how he lives, the importance of significant relationships. That we must, as he models for us, build significant bridges to one another. Bridges that will help us when life gives way and when we fall that will catch us. That safety net of relationships. And so, as we think about Paul's example, let me share with you some things that I think that we all need that, that we find in building bridges to one another. First, a need that's met in those kind of relationships is that we all need accountability. In Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I think Paul understood this principle in Proverbs. He was living it out, I think, as he models for us. But we, I think he understood this principle in Proverbs because when we look at Paul and what he writes throughout the New Testament, we see that he believed in accountability. There are times when he wrote to different churches and different individuals, and basically he says, you know what? Here's what you need to do, and here's what you need to correct. He basically saying, now don't let, make me come down there. Paul loved accountability. Paul was not afraid to to have relationships in that where to the to, uh, have built bridges to the relation in these relationships where he was willing because he loved these people because he wanted them to mature in Christ he was willing to hold them accountable he was willing to speak truth into their lives lo- truth at times that was I'm sure difficult for them to take for those of you who are woodworkers maybe you Maybe you chop wood or saw wood or maybe you, uh, you're more in the, in the more technical areas and you, uh, whether it's hanging a door or, or drilling a hole, whatever it is that you, you do, you understand the importance of that bit being sharp or that saw being sharp or that chain on your chainsaw being sharp. You understand what happens when it's not sharp and how much more difficult it is to do that work and the Paul again, teaches us as we look at his example that we need accountability. We see in Proverbs, it teaches us that as one man, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, that, that we need to be in these kind of relationships, that we need accountability, that we need to help each other, make each other better as we knock off the rough edges on each other. When I first became senior pastor in Middletown, I remember just realizing and God helping me realize that I needed to be accountable to someone. That I needed to have a relationship where there was somebody asking me on a regular basis the difficult questions. And so over the course of those years I was in Milltown, there were actually a couple men that served in that role for me. Men that I was able to meet with regularly who I had given permission to ask me any question that my life is an open book. And so ask me. Ask me about how I'm treating my wife. Ask me about how I'm doing as a parent. Ask me if I have any inappropriate relationships. Ask me if I've had any financial dealings that that are not ethical. Ask me how I'm doing in my walk with Christ. And they regularly ask me those questions. All of us, regardless of who we are, need to have people that we are in relationship with, that have the, we've given the right to hold us accountable. And that can happen in the context of either an individual relationship or it can happen in the context of, a, of some kind of small group where we trust people and we can, again, hold each other accountable. We also, not only do we need accountability, we also need that we find in the context of relationships, we also need counsel. Again, going back to Proverbs, Proverbs 24 says, For the waging of war you need guidance. 
and for victory, many advisors. We need counsel. Solomon says to us, reminds us that we need guidance. We need counsel. If you're waging war, you need many advisors. If you have a big project, you need people that you can go to. You need people that you can trust enough to walk through life with you. And when life gets tough, can tell you the difficult things and give you some wise counsel. In Milltown, Chris and I have the privilege of being in a small group, a life group. And we had some significant relationships we were able to build in that life group. And I remember that as we would conclude our time each week and we would have a time of prayer, that often then as we would, before we would pray, we would talk about how things were going in life and whatever. And it was during those times that I remember that we would give each other counsel. And whether it was about work-related issues or about parenting or about finances, there were times that we would just kind of pause and we would talk and speak life into each other. We need significant relationships because we need, well, you don't need, but I need counsel. I need help. I need someone that could speak wisdom into my life. The final need, as we think about, and there are many, but the final need that I would give to you is that we all need encouragement. Now, some of you have some real healthy self-esteems. Your self-esteem is very healthy. Uh, and I understand that. But no matter who we are, whether your self-esteem is very healthy or whether it's very poor, all of us need encouragement. Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. One of the fun parts about being a part of that life group that we were in was the opportunity to put that scripture into action, to spur one another on, to encourage one another, to, to tell each other and to remind each other, hey, you can do it and you can make it and, and we're here for you and we're walking through life with you. And whether that's needing encouragement, dealing with our kids or the struggles of finances or in a relationship with Christ, all of us need encouragement, need people that we can spur on and need, we all need people that can spur us on. As we think about building those bridges, the reality is that there's a price tag to build those bridges. They come with a cost. And if we're going to enter into significant relationships, now, insignificant relationships really don't cost as much. But if we're going to have significant relationships, there is a cost to those relationships. Paul understood that there was a cost. He understood it. We see it as when we look at uh, this 16th chapter because we see that he was willing to pay the cost. And the cost, the first cost, is the cost of time. Paul was willing to pay that cost. We see, as we look at that example and you look at all the relationships that he had, obviously he was willing to invest his life, his time, and to give of his time in these other people's lives. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, And let us not give up meeting, uh, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, obviously, uh, the writer of Hebrews, they were having the same problem that we have today. And that is that some had given up this idea of meeting together. Why? Probably the same reason we give up sometimes, because I don't have the time. Time is the greatest commodity in our day and age. But we see that Paul, again, was willing to take time. Hebrews, here we're encouraged. Don't give up. Make sure that you're spending your time. Investing your time, paying the price of giving of yourselves, continuing to meet together. 
And I can be the first to give a word of testimony as a father of two, a husband of one. Um, the, uh, you know, a pastor of a church, uh, you know, involved in some church of God things nationally and, you know, trying to be a good citizen. And Don down here has got me coaching baseball, helping coach baseball this year. You know, there's a lot of things that take our time. And so, if we're going to have significant relationships, we must be willing to pay the price with our time. The other price that we need to pay is the price of our emotional energy. We all know that if we're going to be in relationships with people, that there are times that it's going to drain us, that we're going to be emotionally spent as a result of those relationships. In Galatians 6, 2, it says to carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Paul understood, as he writes here to the church of Galatian, to the Galatian church, that, that we are, he understood, and he's calling them to carry each other's burdens, that there's, there's some energy that's expended as you're in relationship. Just that, that picture of someone carrying a heavy burden of someone else's. We understand the expense, the emotional expense, when we're in relationships. One of the ways that we serve one another is by carrying each other's burdens. It's obvious that the Romans, when you look at this this writing to the the church in Rome, that you see that they were willing to carry one another's burdens. We see that as Paul describes these people that he's in relationship with, that they were about carrying each other's burdens. He was carrying theirs and they were carrying his. We see that modeled for us in that passage. That price was willing to be paid, the price of emotional energy. So there's a cost. There is a cost. I'm reminded of what Alfred Lord Tennyson, those famous words that he wrote, "'Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. It's better to have expended the emotional energy, the time spent to build these significant relationships than never to have invested at all. So, finally this morning, let's just look for a couple minutes at the payoffs. We've talked about um, the cost or what the price is, but what's the payoff? The first payoff would be that uh, I think as we enter into significant relationships, again, I think you see this in Paul as he writes, as he talks about these people that he has these relationships with, is that our joy is multiplied. As we have significant relationships that we're a part of, our joy is multiplied. Again, going back to Paul's words in, in, to the church at Rome, in chapter 12, verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Paul's telling us we need to share with each other. We need to, we need to connect. We need to be in relationships. We need to share those joys. Somebody ask you a question. Do you have someone in your life that you are close enough to to share the joys of life with? Do you have somebody that, that when, when they have some wonderful whatever happen to them, that they call you and they think of you to share that with? Do you have somebody in your life that's like that? On the reverse, do you have somebody that you think of, that you are close enough that when something awesome happens in your life that you think of them and you want to pick up the phone and call that individual because you're in relationship with them because you want to share that joy and when we share it, doesn't that make it better? There was a, a lady that was in our small group and we had been talking about a, a need, a real a deep 
prayer need that we've been praying about with her. And it was one of those things that God really needed to work for it to work out. And I remember uh, one day the, our doorbell rang and Chris and I went to the door and there was Debbie. And she said, you know, I was on my way home and, and I just had to stop by your house. Because, and she just related this story and about how God had moved and she just wanted to share with us. And that was fun to share that exciting event in her life of God answering that prayer. Do you have people? Are you one of those people where you can share that joy with someone or you have someone to share that joy with? So our joy is multiplied. It's one of the great payoffs. But also our sorrow is divided. Our joys multiplied, our sorrows divided. Go back to what Paul said there in the 12th chapter of Romans. Rejoice with those who rejoice, but he also tells us to mourn with those who mourn. And all of us know, we've all learned the lesson. It comes in different levels of intensity, but we all understand that life comes with difficulty. That life does not unfold without its bitter moments. And so in those bitter times, again, do we have someone that loves us, that cares about us, that empathizes with us, that's sympathetic to what's going on. And in the reverse, do we have people that we can divide their sorrows with them? Again, going back to our small group in Middletown. Just up the road, we had a friend, and I might have related some of this story to you. Let me share it again with you. Many of you have not heard it. This uh, friend by the name of Tom lived just three or four houses up the road and uh, Tom on an early spring morning drove by our house in his loud, on his loud Harley Davidson motorcycle that he loved to ride and as he goes blaring down the road waking up the neighbors, uh, boys and I were outside and we waved at Tom and he was going to one of his uh, grandkids soccer games I think it was that morning. A couple hours later I got a phone call uh, from a police dispatcher Police dispatcher said, are you Pastor Culp? Yes. Well, there's a family at the scene of an accident. They would like you to come. I said, well, who is it? And they said, well, we don't know. We, they didn't tell us. They told me the address. I jumped in the car, rushed to where the accident was, get there. Police are there. I go to who looks like they're in charge, tell, identify myself. So I got a call from the dispatcher. Who, who was this? I, we really don't know. We don't have a name. Uh, just a few minutes ago, they took the individual to the uh, emergency room by ambulance. The family went with them. Uh, you go, and he told me what the hospital was. So I rushed to the hospital. I remember on the way there, not really knowing who to pray for. I remember calling Crystal and, and, uh, and just that, and just asking her to pray. And we, I got there at the emergency room and I walk in and it just seemed odd. I didn't even know who I was going to see. And I, and I told the lady at the, at the front desk and she uh, opens and I explain the story. And so she says, okay, yeah, ambulance just came. And, and so as those emergency room doors opened, I didn't know who would be on the other side. And those doors opened and there at the end of the, that long hallway was Mary and her family her son and other family. And my worst, you know, you know, imagination was Tom. And in the moments, next few moments, Tom slipped from this life into the next. He got a lot of help in the relationships that he built in that group that prepared him. I remember in the next few moments as 
that tragedy unfolded one after another of that group. Those doors would open and down that long hall would be yet another member of that group who would come. Who had come to be that net that held for Mary. And I remember Joyce who lost her own son in a tragic accident putting her arms around Mary and praying with her. I remember I remember Jeff, who is a successful businessman in our community, dropping everything and showing up, this young businessman, showing up and being there to comfort as best he could, to offer his support as a member of that net for Mary. And so, on that day in that hospital, Mary's sorrow was divided. By that group. Not only is our joy multiplied, our sorrow divided, but also as a result of these significant relationships that we build within the church, the body of Christ, we also see that the church is built up. As we engage in using, and again, this is an awesome realization that all of us as if we have made a decision to be a follower of Christ we put our trust in Christ we've trusted him for the forgiveness of our sins and we're in, we've entered into that relationship with him we have been blessed with spiritual gifts gift or gifts and when and and that's a story for a whole another time but but those gift that giftedness maybe we have been given the gift of hospitality and so as we open up our home and to a life group then then we are able to welcome and encourage and and help people as we live out our live with our spiritual gift as maybe we're in a personal relationship with someone and as they share what's going on in their life maybe we have the gift of discernment or the gift of mercy or the gift of wisdom Again, our spiritual gifts can be put in action in the context of relationships. So when we are willing to build that bridge to one another, we build up the church, build up the body of Christ. In fact, Ephesians talks to us about when the, when the gifts are put into place, when people practice using their gifts, that the body of Christ, the church, will be built up, he says. Built up because we're building bridges to one another, which is the vision that God has for us. We're a large church, and that's okay. And it's okay for us in this large church that God has blessed us with because we're able to reach a lot of people for Christ, which pleases him. And in this church, the reality is that we cannot know everyone. Bob, are you here today? It's Bob up in the balcony. Bob's here. I had never met Bob before going halfway around the world to Paraguay. But Bob's here every week up in the balcony. I didn't know Bob. Do you know Bob? Bloody don't know Bob. You need to get to know Bob. Bob's a great guy. Bob's a lot of fun. Um, we're not going to know everybody, and that's okay. What's not okay is for no one to know us. And what's not okay is for us to not know anyone. So it's okay that we don't know everybody, 
But what's not okay in this church is for us just to walk in and walk out and not have any relation, significant relationships. We all need it. It's not just that it's good for us. It's good for everybody. The church, the body is built up when we allow ourselves to engage in significant relationships with each other. So it's not good enough for us not to know anyone. And it's certainly not good enough for no one to have the privilege of knowing us. I'm glad that Bob gave me the privilege of getting to know him on that trip. The last thing that I would throw out as we think of a payoff as we make the decision to build bridges to one another is the payoff of that our personal spiritual life is enhanced as we build bridges to one another. As we are willing to expend our time and to spend our emotional energy and invest in other people, the payoff is that our spiritual life will be enhanced. Look at Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. What if he'd not had any of these significant relationships? He certainly wouldn't have been able to accomplish all that he was able to accomplish. He was best able to do that. He was best able to be a disciple of Christ and to, to do things that changed his world and, his ch and changing our world to this day is because he was willing to be in significant relationships with people. God has a purpose for us. God has a, has a plan for us. And we will not fully realize that and understand that and grow to fit into that unless we do it in the context of significant relationships. Look at, if you look through the New Testament, you look through the annals of church history, you see great men and women who have done wonderful things, great things for God, and they have done it again in the context of significant relationships that have been built, that have spurred them on in their relationship with Christ. And so we need, in order to develop spiritually, we need significant relationships to reach our full potential both as individuals and as a church on a cold February morning in San Francisco tragedy struck as the Golden Gate Bridge was nearing completion tragedy because there was a net that wasn't strong enough to hold those 12 men 10 lives were lost Superficial relationships are not strong enough to hold us when tragedy strikes. We need significant relationships, relationships like we see modeled for us by the Apostle Paul himself. Who are you building a bridge to? Who are you building a bridge that is good for you and is good and also is good for them? We need each other. There's an individual, there's a group that not only do you need them, but they need you. Let's stand this morning. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the example that Paul gives us of someone who understood the value of building bridges. Father, as we think about who we are and where we're going, Father, I pray that you would help us to own the reality that we must be engaged in meaningful, significant relationships with one another. Father, I thank you for the network, the net that we have here. And I pray, Father, that if there is someone that is hurting or struggling, I pray, Father, that you would help them to feel open enough to share that hurt, to share that 
maybe that joy with someone, that, that they would begin to build a relationship, that they would put themselves in a place, whether that's a life group or a, a, a Sunday morning class or some kind of ministry, that they would allow themselves to be engaged with people here that can come alongside them and when those tragedy times come, that we can be together a net. We don't want anybody to be lost. Father, I pray again for each of us to realize our need. It's our desire as First Church to build significant relationships. Now, Father, speak to each of our hearts to realize our personal need for that in our lives. The blessing that it can be and the blessing that we can give. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. As we sing this morning, as we worship our Lord, if you have a need, won't you come? We'd love to pray with you or for you as we sing. As you leave today, these altars at the front are always open if you'd like to come. If you have a need, uh, you can come and use these altars. If you are here with us for the very first time, we're just delighted to have you uh, as our honored guest. We're glad that you're here today. As you leave all the way to the back of this, uh, through this gathering area to your right, is a little room. We'd love to uh, get a chance to meet you and get to learn a bit about you. Build a bridge to you. We'd love to, to know who you are. You could take that in your uh, announcement sheet as you, or the worship folder. There's a tear off. You could just take that tear off and just let us know a little bit about yourself. It would be extremely helpful. Thank you for uh, doing that for us. And you can give that either one of the ushers or Again, it'd be great if you just went to that room. We have a gift. We'd love to uh, just greet you. So glad you're here. Well, here's your assignment, okay? It's not what is everyone's responsibility becomes no one's, okay? So your personal individual responsibility is to ask God how he wants you to build your bridge, okay, to one another. So it's not just you waiting for someone to build a bridge to you. But where and how can you build a bridge to someone else? So you take the first step, and God will join you, and life is fun. Life is best when it's done in the context of relationships. May the Lord bless you as you leave. And so start practicing as you go today even, as you leave this room. Just greet those, have some fellowship, greet some people around you, build a bridge as you leave today. Lord bless you as you go.